This is Finding the Center, and I'm your host, Joseph Camacho. I want to thank you very much for being here today, checking out the show, this being the first one. And I just wanted to spend today going over what the show's about, kind of the background, the foundation to kind of get our footing about how we're going to move forward. And this kind of came from the, I don't know, process or journey of becoming a political centrist or moderate or independent I'm kind of all those things. One of the things that I've learned over time is that that journey is not one that is kind of taking alone or I am not the first to take this journey. So perhaps you might identify with some of the experiences or in the fact that becoming a centrist or a moderate um, or an independent voter is a process. I don't think people tend to just kind of roll out, roll out of the bed and say, hey, I'm going to be a centrist today. I'm going to be a moderate. I'm going to be an independent. And so this is going to kind of document or kind of take a look at that process. Um, it's also going to include commentary on just things in society, you know, maybe some popular culture um, sprinkled in, but this is going to primarily be politics. I hope to interview some folks um, that I find interesting in my life that um, might have something interesting to add to kind of the political discourse, maybe some things that you're not familiar with, uh, some issues that you might not know much about. And over time, I hope to bring that forward. Um, So expect at some point that I'll start to have some guests once I kind of get on my feet here. Another thing that I wanted to just briefly touch upon is the title, Finding the Center. One of the reasons that I chose that title was, I've just mentioned it a moment ago, which was my journey into becoming a centrist. For me, that was my own finding of the center and what that means to me. The second kind of relates to the ever-changing landscape, you know, the tectonic plates that shift beneath the American political experience. And we see it all the time. The right is moving to the right. Left is moving to the left. I'm reminded of Justice Anthony Kennedy saying that, you know, he was appointed as a conservative and it was the court or American politics, I can't recall, that moved to the right, not him. And that's kind of what happens in politics in general. And over time, I think what that does is not only do the kind of poles or the, the extremes or the farther ends of the political spectrum move and pull left to right, but I think that there's some resettling of the center. And we'll see over time, and we have seen over time, how some policies that were maybe centrist 10 years ago, 15 years ago, aren't really considered that now. And I think that change is important in being aware of how the left and right moves and what kind of ripple effect that has on the center. So finding the center to me kind of symbolizes that the center is not a permanent fixture in American politics. It's going to move left or right, maybe gradual, maybe a lot in certain areas and, you know, compared to others. But this is kind of another aspect of the title. And the third finding the center is an aspirational, you know, a hope that I have for the show. And I hope to reach folks that are a little more left than left of center, a little more right than right of center, maybe not necessarily those on the very far ends of either spectrum, and really try to address the misconception of the center as being without any standard, without any belief, with being completely fence-sitting and not taking a position on anything. I've kind of seen that across the Twitterverse. I'm spoiler alert. I am a member of the Twitterati. And 
I see that a lot, that well, the center is completely useless and doesn't stand for anything, and it's just complete nonsense. And so my hope is that those a little bit farther left or right will hear this and start to understand what it is to be a moderate, what it is to be a centrist, and that it's more than just having no positions on anything. And I think that's important, and that's a little more aspirational, as I said. It's something that I hope to see over time. With that in mind, I'm going to be operating from a perspective that has not just a harsh view of purity tests on the left and right. Purity tests are a problem that we see on both sides of the aisle. You can look at the 2012 primary, and you can just see Republicans trying to out-Republican one another. And you see it in the 2020 primaries with Democrats having their own version of purity tests about how progressive you are or aren't. And so I think that that also holds for the center. And so my perspective is that I'm not really here to tell you what it means for you to be a centrist, what it means for you to be an independent or moderate, um, which I do see some of that floating around out there. And it's not a position that I'm comfortable with. It's not one that I'm going to take. It's hard for me to embrace if I have a problem with it on kind of either end of the spectrum. I really don't feel comfortable coming out and telling listeners and, and other political folks that are interested in the political process and want to espouse their views that that's great, but you're not really a centrist. You're not really a moderate. Now, there are some limits to that take. If you're just out there espousing crazy talk, you're probably not a moderate. You know, there's been some folks that I've come across, particularly in the social media realm, that call themselves a centrist and might as well just be spewing propaganda, you know, and, and and so that, yes, that's something that should, could, would, and I have called out. Um, but for folks that are dead center, whatever that means, a little bit left of center, I, I would categorize myself as a little bit left compared to someone that is dead center, which I'm not really sure what that means, but that fictional person, I'm slightly left of them. And there's going to be folks that are a little bit right of that dead center individual. And all of those people have a space within the umbrella that is centrist or moderate. And so that's going to be the position I take. You might not always agree with me. I might not always agree with you. As long as we can have some civil discourse, you know, debating facts and not attacking one another, I'm always going to be open to what it is that you have to say. And, I, and I'm always going to be open to learning from other folks because that is one of the main, I think, pillars of being a centrist is that you're not just taking a position based on what a party platform is, is proposing or, you know, those types of kind of political considerations. Um, so that's kind of broadly how I feel about it. And I'm just going to explain kind of what these words mean to me with the caveat that I am open to being corrected. Perhaps there's a better way of looking at these. Perhaps there are better definitions out there. I'm just using basic kind of dictionary definitions and then kind of adding my own context to it. And so for me, these words might be interchangeable. I might slip up and use one when I mean the other. Uh, but there is, I would say, a slight distinction between the words centrist, independent, and moderate. So looking at these words, you know, the definitions that I'm kind of operating with are a centrist is someone having moderate political views or policies. So you can be a centrist and you can be a part of a political party. You can be a Democrat, you can be a Republican, 
throw in any other party you want to throw in there. You can be a centrist and a member of either of those parties, but you don't have to be, which brings us to independent. And really independent is just someone that's not bound by or committed to, I guess, a political party. So you can be an independent and you can be a centrist, but you can't really be an independent and part of a party because that's kind of the point of being an independent non-party affiliated voter is that you don't want to be constrained by a party, but you can be a centrist that just is not happy with either of those parties. So you're independent and that's kind of where I fall. And then moderate is really just another version of centrist professing or characterized by political or social beliefs that are not extreme. So you can belong to a party and be a moderate. There's moderate Democrats, there's moderate Republicans, centrist Democrats, centrist Republicans. Those words are more of the two interchangeable ones with independent, sometimes kind of being thrown in there in the same way, but that's kind of how I process it. And again, if I'm in left field with this, let's talk about it. But when I'm using these words, this is kind of how I'm processing them, how I'm understanding them, and it's how I intend to use them. Hopefully I'm consistent. The other thing that I wanted to address was why me? You know, why Joseph? Why do I have a podcast and why am I sitting here talking to you about politics and his definition and so on and so forth? You know, to be honest, I've been talking about starting this podcast for, I don't know, maybe a year maybe a little bit longer. Some of the folks that um, in my network of my small but supportive and loving network of Twitter, man, I don't like the word followers, my fellow Twitterers have and probably do recall my discussing, bringing up, exploring the idea of this podcast for at least a year. And one of the things that really held me up was the idea, I couldn't get over the idea that I was telling people you know, what it was to be a centrist or that I was, you know, had the audacity to think that I would speak on behalf of this large block of the American electorate. And so it took me some time to really make peace within my own mind that that's not what I was doing. And I almost had to convince myself of that. And there were a couple of false starts and I finally kind of have wrapped my mind around it and have become comfortable with it. Which is why I also come with the kind of disclaimer that I identify myself as a centrist and hopefully, you know, what I have to say is going to be consistent with that. With the disclaimer that I recognize that some places I'm a little more left, there's a few I might be a little more right, but I'm probably going to come off as a little more progressive, you know, center left. I'm not sure how you define that. You know, just something that I want to be transparent about. So once I got over the idea that I was going to be speaking on behalf of all sorts of people, I really started to think about what it was that I had to offer. You know, what would it be that I could add a value to our discourse? And, you know, some of the experiences that I have that I would present to you um, is that I'm a U.S. Air Force veteran. Uh, I joined... Um, less than two weeks after 9-11, and I did about four and a half years, and there's a lot of experiences that I will probably get into at some point um, that help shade kind of how I look at things and a, a different type of diversity. You know, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, 
So, you know, color me a bleeding heart liberal without knowing anything about me, and you probably wouldn't miss the mark too much, right? However, the experience that I had in the Air Force brought me to a different type of diversity. You know, it was a cultural diversity of folks that were completely different than me, and it was political diversity of which I was not familiar with. And what I learned from that was, you know, some of the easy kind of talking points about associating, let's say, conservatives with negative traits. When I got to know folks, I learned that just wasn't the case. That just wasn't my experience in interacting with a lot of conservatives, you know, a lot of Republicans. It's kind of a big majority in my experience in the military. And the more I got to learn about them, the more that it helped kind of open my eyes. And so I hope to bring some of that. You know, when I talk about my journey, that's a part of it. And I hope to bring some of that to this podcast. I also have some political experience. My public service reaches beyond military service. My first kind of baby steps into politics was actually being a political appointee um, for a county advisory board. And it's a volunteer position. And I kind of served in the role of a city council member that would advise our county supervisor because we don't have a mayor. And so we served as, you know, a pseudo city council. We performed some of the duties. We would advise the county supervisor on what he should do or, you know, what we believed and after taking input input from constituents and, and other stakeholders. And so that was kind of my first step into that process. And it was from there that I was recruited to serve as a staffer. And just being up front, it was two Democrats. And so I served as a staffer for a California state senator who later became a member of Congress. And that was a very interesting experience of which I also plan on getting into at a later time. And from there, he moved into Congress, um, and I moved from his office to another more senior member of Congress because he was a new congressman. And in moving from one member to another was a promotional opportunity. I became the manager of constituent services, had kind of a large portfolio and quite a bit of responsibility. I served in the district. I didn't serve in D.C. I did work with my D.C. counterparts who shared different bits of my portfolio. Um, So I contributed to committee hearings and, you know, congressional records, did a lot of writing, um, got to really understand how politically and more operationally a congressional member works with their constituents, the role of staffers, the, the process of getting something to the floor. I mean, it was, it was a lot of great experience. And there are not that many folks that serve in the military. You know, it's considered more or less a, a different 1%. And there's also not that many folks that have the type of political experience I had, you know, across those uh, five or so years. One thing that I want to do, I want to try to end each show by introducing you to someone or an account or another podcast or just something, someone that's providing content that I find valuable. And there's a few that I wanted to do today. The first is someone else that is from the San Francisco Bay Area, or at least is currently in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's The Dividest, at D-I-V-I-D-I-S-T. Now, The Dividus 
is a self-described social liberal, fiscal conservative, civil libertarian, independent divitist, discordian provocateur, and a Cubs fan. So we're not going to hold that against him. I might, you know, go as far as assuming that he is from Chicago, but I don't know that. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go that far. And his whole philosophy and contribution to kind of the political discourse is divided government equals limited government, limited government equals better government, therefore divided government equals better government. I haven't always agreed with that, um, but I have to say that he has kind of converted me some, and he has a great sense of humor, he's a good writer, uh, you know, good personality on Twitter, uh, someone that doesn't just kind of shoot from the hip, but tries to make thoughtful arguments, tries to make claims that are um, backed up with data and those types of things. And so what I wanted to do was offer his view, which is a little different than mine, but one that I find valuable. And so hopefully you'll find your way to his account if you're a Twitter user and you'll follow him if you're not already doing so, because he's an interesting uh, person to follow. And I feel like I have learned from him over the years that I've been following him. I like to think that I have the same impact on him, but I know he would never admit that. Now, the other is at Greg B. Anderson Jr., and that's S-O-N for the spelling of Anderson. Now, Gregory, he has a podcast that's a little bit older than mine. This being my first episode, he's probably less than 10 episodes in, and his is called The American Electorate. Now, I have been in communication with him he had asked for my feedback, and I dropped the ball. Now, I've, I've been recovering from pneumonia. I'm on the tail end of that, so you might hear it if I sound a little out of breath here or there. Uh, but he did reach out to me, and I did not give him the feedback. I apologized to him in the private world of DMs. I'm doing it again here. Sorry about that, Gregory. Uh, but I did listen to a couple of his episodes, and he had a few on election coverage that I found interesting. It wasn't just, I'm going to give you my take on the news and some things that are happening, but it was also, he was kind of, it's kind of a how-to, some talk about how to have difficult conversations, particularly around the uh, holiday season. And, you know, we just had Christmas, New Year's is approaching quickly. And, you know, you could take that, even apply that to Thanksgiving where you have some crazy aunt or uncle or whomever says something crazy. And, and he had some guests on that were kind of giving listeners some tools and tips on how to have those conversations and the importance of having them. He also had a segment on the importance of having a diversity of sources in which you receive your information. Some on the left, you know, farther left, maybe some left of center, some more in the center and, you know, center right and farther right. And was giving some tools um, on how to kind of keep track of them and categorize them. And it was just a different take. It was different than what I've heard from many other shows. And he is a smart guy. He has some valuable input. And I just really thought that his show, even though it's kind of in its infancy, I think it does have a place in um, the political kind of podcasting world particularly compared to some other ones that I've heard 
So please check him out, The American Electorate. I follow him on Google Podcasts. I'm sure that he is on iTunes. I'm not sure everywhere he's available. I hope to have him on the show. I haven't asked him yet, so if Andrew, when he hears this, he's going to hear that right now. Hey, Gregory, come on the show, man. And he has asked me to be on his show, so look out for that sometime in, I don't know, mid-end of January or so. Those are two voices out there in the political wilderness that I thought were interesting, that I thought had some value, and that I thought maybe you might want to check out. So please do that. This podcast is very personal to me. It's something that I hope to have out at least bi-weekly, considering if there are no other hot-button things that are really important going on. Um, I might have some shorter episodes just to drop some commentary in here or there, but I really want this to be something that is not just me talking at you, but a dialogue and interaction where we can kind of go through this together. Again, I want to thank you for checking in on this first episode. I hope that I've kind of laid out who I am and where I'm coming from. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. You can follow me on Twitter at Finding the Center Pod. You can reach out to me via email, findingthecenterpod at gmail.com. I really look forward to interacting with you. I'm very grateful for your time. And until next time, take care.